In this Body Track Academy episode, we touch base on the final part of the cancer care continuum with Nicole. We've talked about pre-treatment, during treatment, now we're talking about survivorship. Listen on for a great take-home message about how to treat and manage someone with cancer, touching base on all the parts of the continuum. Hello and welcome to the Body Track Academy, created by EPs for EPs. We'll cover all things clinical, business and personal growth to help you and the exercise physiology industry reach its potential. If you enjoyed this episode and find something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review and tell your friends to check it out. If you haven't already joined the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up, join our community of exercise physiologists, and access more great content. Welcome back to the Body Track Academy. I'm Dan, and I'm here again with Nicole to continue talking about our cancer care continuum. Uh, we have already approached some of the other phases, jump back in the podcast to find them, but today is all about survivorship. So, Nicole, welcome back. What have you been up to? Oh, a lot, really. Just- <laughs> Working with clients, keeping busy in the clinic day to day. Perfect. Seeing some clients with uh, in the survivorship phase. Yeah, absolutely. A good chunk of my clients are in that survivorship phase. Wonderful. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Um, tell us how to get started. When when are they in survivorship? What does that definition mean? Um, is that something that is uh, diagnosed from an oncologist, a doctor? How does that kind of become the term survivorship? So it's usually once they've decided that the cancer has been removed to a point that they're, they're happy with, um, reduced margins enough, uh, they've finished and completed treatment, it's come from the oncology team that they no longer need to continue treatment and yep. they'll deem them in sort of that survivorship phase um, or like a remission, mm. um, depending on where they're at with what type of cancer. Yep. Um, and then from there, they basically will continue reviews with oncologists. It might be three, six, 12 monthly, depending on where they're at, what kind of cancer they had, right. um, just to keep an eye on things. Um, and then they return to life as it was. Yes. Is, might be an, an odd question or a common sense question, but is remission and survivorship the same thing? Um, good question. Slightly different for different types of cancers. So you can, mm. time, some cancers will likely kind of relapse and yeah. go into remission and things like that, where it might be expected to be in a remission. We'll kind of see how long that lasts for, mm-hmm. um, with the very likely possibility that it's going to come back. Um, so we should keep an eye on that and, you know, maintain a really good quality of life if that happens and you reassess treatment options when that does happen. Um, versus survivorship, it's probably more likely the phase that we're hoping the cancer doesn't come back. Yeah. That it's sort right. of, you know, okay. it's finished there, but we know that a lot of cancers increase, having cancer increases your risk of it of returning again. again. Yeah. Yes, correct. And just on that too, is in having a particular type of cancer an increased risk of having that same type of cancer or is it all cancers that same type same more type. so yeah yep. then there'll be other types of cancers which might predispose you to yep. a similar hormonal type cancer or right. something yep. that's along those lines yeah perfect all right let's get into what we do best which is exercise physiology so let's say i mean you would have seen seen clients who have come to you and started with you from mm-hmm. the survivorship phase right yep. Let's tackle into that first. Mm-hmm. So what is your assessment look like when you're first meeting this person? They say, hey, I'm, I've had this cancer. I'm now in survivorship. Yeah. What kind of questions are you asking? What assessments are you doing? Go for it. Okay. So it's our 
our standard assessment that we do with any patient really, you want to get that, that medical background, I would find out a lot more about what cancer type it was, um, grade, stage, treatment status, so if they had surgery, chemo, radiation, because I want to know what likely side effects are we going to be keeping an eye out for, what have right. they experienced as well. Yep. So run that down, I find out what their side effects were during treatment um, and if they're experiencing any of the ones that I'd expect to see beyond those types of treatments. Yeah. Um, might have to prompt them if they don't necessarily come to mind. Uh, we might go through a few assessment tools um, to assess things like fatigue um, mm -hmm. or cognitive related, uh, sorry, cancer-related cognitive impairment. Um, we'll chat about, again, what their goals are. What, why have they come to see me? Are they going back to work? Are they going back to school? Um, are they retiring? Are they forced into retirement or medical leave and things like that? What's, yeah. what's the outlook now? Um, what are they trying to get back into in life? Um, and then from there, we try to craft that, that yep. program for them. Perfect. Um, and just when you're asking about the stage or the, the type of cancer, if it's quite a severe one, mm -hmm. is this sort of a thing going off in the back of your mind going, well, there could be a chance of this happening again? Yeah, Or absolutely. is that part of your education? Um, do, do clients come and just think, great, I'm over it. I've, I'm, I've beaten cancer. Is, do you get that kind of side of it too? Or is... To be honest, I don't think I've had any patients come to me with that. I want to say almost like a false sense of security because I yeah, think oncologists yeah. are quite transparent and Great. tell yeah. them. Um, you know, the education a, system is working in the oncology department. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, they talk about ringing the bell when you finish treatment and a lot of patients yeah. don't actually like that. They feel they're kind of like, I don't want to celebrate this. I just want to be done and get out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a very real fear and a lot of them have that fear for a, a long time. Even if their cancer doesn't come back, that fear can live, you know, sit below the surface for a long time and, any little niggle, they might get a headache or they might have some funny pain that's not, that doesn't feel normal and they go, has mm. it come back? So there's a lot of, in my role, I know a lot of my um, clients that I see in survivorship, but they'll, they'll go, hey, I just want to run it past you. I've, I've had this feeling. Um, I know my, my cancer brain's going, it's come back. Mm. What do you think? And I go, obviously, well, that's beyond my scope. I can't tell you these things, but we try to figure out perhaps why that funny pain has come on or yeah. something else that has changed and we discuss it and then we watch it and if things don't change or worse and then of course we refer on to GP or oncologist, go back that way. I can also contact the oncologist or the um, uh, the cancer care coordinator as well to access more information if we need to. Um, but most of these people I think are pretty realistic about what could happen mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. are really keen to get back to the best quality of life they can. Yeah, Perfect. Um, and I know in my experience of having some as well who are in survivorship and they have either a six month or a 12 month, uh, I guess, checkup. Mm -hmm. It's actually very interesting that when they, they first enter survivorship, and I don't know if this is the same in your experience, but I've had people quite anxious mm -hmm. about it's approaching anxiety. that. Anxiety is very high and it affects the program so much yeah. from what you can deliver during the, that, um, that time of anxiety yeah. when they're approaching um, appointment for uh, with the oncologist or with the yep. cancer care coordinator. Um, and then now being a bit of an old dog here at, <laughs> at uh, Body Track, um, I've had a couple who have gone on for about two or three years now. Yep. And it's just like, ah, it's just another appointment. Yeah. It's interesting to see that change because yep. the markers are under control. They're very well um, into that, well, survivorship uh, from, from what they've had. Um, but... The other part too is they still understand that there is a risk. So that's what I wanted to um, make sure everyone who's listening today knows that that education is out there, but making sure that it's very clear that mm. um, it's not over and done. Yeah. Sometimes it can come back yeah. and these are the risks associated. And there's yeah. that, um, you know, they talk about that five-year survivor 
window mm, yes. or survival window like things like breast cancer got a really good and prostate cancer really good five year survival window and yep. kind of they give you those landmarks if you can hit the five year mark does that mean we've got a bit of chance of it not coming back and every cancer type is different so there's, mm. there's definitely stats there for all those different types of cancers to look at recurrence and, and things and um there's some really good information and, and stats in um Peru Cormie's article exercise um as medicine for cancer care yeah and that looks at the risk of uh risk of recurrence risk of cancer mortality okay. and risk of all-cause mortality as well and the effects of exercise. So basically... Perfect. Yeah. You can see, obviously, it's not a direct relationship. You can't mm. say one causes the other, but there is a pretty big chunk. I think it's between like 20 to 30 or 40%. I can't remember the numbers off my head. Mm. Um, we can link that in the show notes there. But there's yeah, some sure. really good evidence. Obviously, the more you do exercise or the greater exercise you're, you're doing helps to reduce that risk. Wonderful. Okay. Let's take the other pathway. Let's say you've seen someone during the treatment phase mm-hmm. um, and they're now entering into survivorship. What changes from your perspective? So if you think about that continuum, and we spoke about it in the previous two podcasts, about what's the role of exercise at different stages of the continuum. Yep. So before it was like that prehab, getting ready for that marathon, training, getting fitter, getting stronger. So that marathon is a little bit easier to do, a bit mm-hmm. more manageable. Mm-hmm. Then you look at it during, that's all about mitigating and reducing the effects of treatment um, to help them better get through their treatment. Um, and then that survivorship phase is all about getting them back to whatever they want to do. Mm. So we look, so start looking now, at, are we trying to rebuild strength, rebuild muscle mass? Um, is there a bit of body composition we want to try and improve um, due to types of steroids or, or drugs they've been on? Um, is it bone health we need to be addressing a bit more strongly through exercise prescription? Um, is there other mental health concerns maybe we need to be managing as well? Um, anything that might be a latent or a long-term side effect. So is fatigue getting worse? Is fatigue getting more noticeable? Is he returning to work or school? Um, are they struggling with concentration because that cognitive impairment's now become a bit more at the forefront because they're having to do tasks that require cognition and focus whereas during treatment they weren't working they weren't at school they're just doing treatment and kind of getting by day to day so definitely um yes exercise totally changes and it's now all catered towards their new goals and their new structure yeah for sure um definitely some good points there about what you can uh focus on for that survivorship phase and things that you can ask in your assessment or even in just session to session making sure that you are on track all right let's get some tangible objective Mm -hmm. outcomes from clients that you've seen in that survivorship. So you've gone from the treatment to the survivorship. They've gone off all the nasty medications Mm -hmm. that can Mm -hmm. uh, deplete quite a lot of um, the physical um, outcomes. Have you seen from your time with them Mm -hmm. really good increases in physical outcomes, um, functional outcomes, body mass changes? Let's delve into that a little bit. Sure. So I think of some like sort of case studies in my head. Like I've had um, a woman who's quite um, high profile um, in career and things like that and had to change a bit of her career pathway who's really struggled with some of that cognitive impairment. Right. Um, In terms of addressing that, that's still like a work in progress. Mm. We're trying to manage that and, and that with mental health as well because it's kind of changed her identity a little bit. She was quite keen to go back to work and used to that, you know, hustle and bustle, busy lifestyle. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the cognitive factor is impairing that return to work, unfortunately. Yep. Um, so we're addressing addressing that um, in other ways, but also addressing that that strength and, and fitness, which is ongoing now. And she's super regular with her training, you know, doing two really 
intensive strength training a week, keeping up all her other cardio on the outside and, and really achieving fantastic strength results for someone of her size at the moment. Yeah, fantastic. Um, we've got, uh, I've got a young guy, um, you know, returning to, or studying at uni. So actually managed to keep studying during treatment um, and just starting to notice some of those effects and things later on. And we're just trying to manage, making sure that that fatigue that isn't just typical to a uni student, trying mm. to manage just assessments and assignments, that we're actually managing that probably cancer-related fatigue alongside of that, but better with more regular exercise. Yeah. You know what it's like at uni? Far you're out. So That's busy. a double dose, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> you're up late doing assignments. Yeah. You're, you know, you're yeah. a uni student. You're hanging out with friends. It's a busy lifestyle. Meanwhile, you don't, you're trying to juggle that sensation of, am I tired because I just haven't slept or I've been up yeah. late? Or is that also treatment-related fatigue? Very much... Uh, trick the brain. With yeah, it, yeah, sure. and it's, it's tricky yeah. to find time for exercise. So really prioritizing those sessions with me, we know it's booked in, and mm. we're getting them done during that week. Um, and then body comp is a really interesting one. It's a it's a big one for a lot of people who want to try improve it after changes with, with treatment, like so chemotherapy, steroids, certain types of chemotherapies can yes. really increase weight. Uh, and it's tricky because we want to keep any kind of calorie nutrient dense load through treatment to make sure that we're not losing muscle mass and, mm. and, and load. But unfortunately, they kind of just let you go. Any weight's good weight during treatment. Yep. And we t sometimes do tend to go over the other way and increase body fat, lose muscle mass. So yes. yep. trying to convert that. And we've had some really cool outcomes. I've got two guys in mind in particular. Um, one with who's prostate cancer, um, older guy. And he really was super interested in trying to return his muscle mass. Also, yeah, right. as, an, as an aging male, yep. he knew it was important in bone health. Um so we've really gone to town in progressive resistance training, mm. but had to work around, uh, you know, history of back pain, um, very, you know, little training history. Yeah. Um, also likes to go fishing for a couple of months here and there. So he's got his, <laughs> his boat program and his gym program. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but he also wanted to lose some weight. So he was actually losing weight quite well. And then I started noticing his muscle mass was, was losing with it. So we had to convert, we had to readdress his, his diet um, and make sure he's actually eating a lot more. And right. With that, he still managed to lose more fat, but he managed to maintain his weight. Uh, sorry, maintain his muscle. Yeah, so okay. we're still trying Fantastic. to improve his muscle more. I don't know how much more we'll get um, with, you know, lack of testosterone and things now and treatment side effects. But yeah. even if we can maintain his muscle mass now, that's, yeah, that's a fantastic win, outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you're not seeing that decline anymore. Like, mm. in most cases, anyway, yeah. you're trying to prevent the decline. Because the other part of this, too, is... Uh, particularly for those older individuals, mm. we're, we're fighting against general yep. physiological adaptations of aging. Um, just quickly, I'll chime in on mine. The ones that I've experienced, um, the one that comes to mind as a key, uh, a key one is a three, I think she's now four years post ovarian cancer. Um, and they are finally feeling like in the last year, they're back to what they used to be. Mm, so they've like gone diagnosis. That's exactly right. So they, they didn't even have a chance to sort of do, well, they were, they were doing, um, the pre-treatment in, um, the pre-treatment phase, uh, for many years beforehand, I guess, because gotcha. I didn't, and then they didn't, um, the, the cancer kind of came up as a bit of a surprise, mm. uh, during the treatment phase that I've got data on where she was at yeah. in terms of balance, in terms of cardiovascular fitness. Um, I think, from memory, I, I think it was less than 15, the VO2 max. Yeah, wow. So your, your evidence was kind this, of showing, but you had no yeah, idea what was happening. That's exactly right. Wow. Yep. Um, so a little bit of a misfortunate way about how this person um, got ovarian cancer, but uh, and it was a bit of a shock to them. But now, four years on, 
just did some testing and rating in her age category in her superior level of VO2 oh, awesome. the testing that we've done. Um, and she was, uh, the emotions that you get from that and the success, I always come back and say, it's on you guys. You've done the job here. Mm. I've just facilitated and they're so thankful for what we do, but you cannot ever underestimate or, um, go through that experience. Like there's nothing that can prepare you for that experience yeah. from when someone's feeling like they've got their life back on track. They have um, overcome a lot of hurdles um, and then COVID obviously just chucked that in <laughs> yeah. as well for them. Um, so that was probably my one where they have really, you know, worked really hard and it's been a long time, but they're finally feeling like mm. the benefits are paying off. And it does take time. And I think a lot mm. of people think I've done treatment. I'm good. I can go back yeah, to work. That's and exactly, it does exactly unfortunately right. take time. And yep. there's that high risk that those side effects can come on. There's latent and long-term. So ones mm. that can come mm. on five, ten years down the track, you know, you think you're hunky-dory and then all of a sudden, you know, fatigue or this yep. cognitive impairment or peripheral neuropathy, like these other things can just appear. They don't yep. know why and they you just got to keep an eye out for them. Yep. So we can be another pair of eyes like we've talked about before to keep an eye out for those things. Or those changes we might just say, hey, look, let's try and manage this here or do we need to refer on and, mm. and need some extra help to mm. make sure that we're managing this and you can continue at work, at school, whatever you need to do. To yeah, definitely. And I think just going back to that fatigue, it is hard to identify how mm. that's coming with the example you gave for the uni student. Is it fatigue from just studying or is it actually cancer-related fatigue? Yeah. Um, that still happens in terms of the clients that I have who are in survivorship um, where is it stress-related? Is it... And the questionnaires can help support and determine how you can tackle it. But it is something that will be an always never one or the other. It's yeah. a combination or what kind of mix is it that, that I don't feel can be achieved without, you yeah. know, uh, uh, with, the way, best way you can do it is by managing it with, um, with questionnaires and, and supporting. And with exercise. Exercise. Because that's the thing, even if it's, you know, stress related, I mean, you want to identify yeah. the, the root of the cause. Yeah. Mm. Is it, is it work? Is it, yeah, you're not managing your uni load. Is it, relationship, financial, you want to always identify what else could be contributing to fatigue and you mm. want to do that cancer or not. Yeah. So we always want to try screen for sleep disturbance, pain, um, stress, anxiety, depression, those kind of things because that can also exacerbate any type of fatigue. Yes. Chronic fatigue, general fatigue, cancer-related fatigue. So mm. we also know that exercise is a really effective tool. The first-line therapy for cancer-related fatigue is super effective for general ment uh, mental well-being as well. So the right kind of dose and it might be a little bit of trial and error too but we know exercise is still going to help in pretty much all of those settings and if you For can't sure. pinpoint it yep. you know it's still going to be helpful yeah and i mean even ask yourself this is obviously on the cancer care continuum but even ask yourself when you've been fatigued sometimes or not feeling 100 percent, but you still do a session it might be not at the highest peak that yeah. you've done but how good do you feel after yeah there's yep. always some minor improvement um you know, maybe not all the time, but I would say majority of the yeah, time you feel, okay, got a little bit of the um, the good feeling hormones coming yeah. out after, uh, all those endorphins. Um, all right. Is there anything further on survivorship for our listeners to uh, pick your brain about? Well, I sh you want to think about a survivor is someone who's going to be a survivor for life, right? You're a cancer survivor yeah. for life. Um, once you've been diagnosed, that's something you've got to keep an eye on. And, you mm. know, you could have someone present to you and in the medical history they might write, breast cancer, oh, but it was 15 years ago and kind of brush it under the table because they don't want to talk about it, which is... More often yeah. happens than not, hey. Yeah, yes, yeah. definitely. But like I said, these side effects can be latent and long-term. So 
it's not something to ignore just because it doesn't seem obvious at the moment or they're not having any issues. Mm. Always try to screen and assess related to that history. You know, if it's prostate or gynecological, check out that pelvic floor, that incontinence. If it's breast, check out that shoulder range of motion and, and sure. things like that yep. and strength and just general screening around that cancer type from what mm. you know to make sure that, you know, that history isn't then going to impede them going forward or there isn't something that we haven't realized or picked up on. Yeah. Never assume, hey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a good point you make. 15 years, you can probably look at it and go, okay, that's fine. But they might say my treatment was great. I'm good. Yeah. Everything's great. I'm, no issues. But there's no harm in you still doing a, like you said, shoulder range of motion or some, something that's applicable to the cancer that they've had or the treatment that they've had yeah. for sure. All right. Um, the last little point, um, your marathon analogy is quite brilliant. Oh, I yes. love that one. Yep. So that's a big take home. Take home. But yep. wrapping up the cancer care continuum, mm -hmm. what's probably the one thing that you want to provide to our listeners for a take home? Just think about where they, where they are on that continuum. Yeah, your exercise prescription is already tailored to that individual, but it also has to be tailored to the stage of that treatment pathway, mm. um, whether it's before, during, changing at different times of treatment throughout that process. After, are they in survivorship? They might even be in palliative. You can still see people in palliative of care course, as well. Of course, um, And you, that continuum isn't one way. It's not linear. It's not uphill. It's back and forth, left and right, up and down. It's roughly a guide, but they can be anywhere on it at any stage. Yep. Um, and you're just going to be able to adapt your prescription to that time and place. So reassessment is really important and making sure that you're addressing that person in that time and space. Yep. Perfect. Maybe they should change the word continuum because it does sound linear. Yeah, that's true. This is <laughs> true. It's a very good point you raise. It is never going to be, okay, finish that phase onto this phase. It yep. can ebb and flow. Yep. Yes, for sure. Well, team, I hope you have got uh, the most out of these chats. We've got three podcasts yep. Yep, on the Cancer Care Continuum. So go through the podcast and listen to all if you need a refresher. But always, thank you, Nicole, for going through the Cancer Care Continuum. Uh, and we Hope to talk to you all again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Body Track Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you're not already in the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up. Join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content.